what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Mesh ads are a great way to reach a targeted audience at a low cost. Visit www.themesh.tv slash advertise or send an email to info at themesh.tv for more information. Very low cost, reach a great audience, and grow your business through Mesh ads. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Forecast. We are your connection to the who's who in the game of golf. We hope to make you laugh, learn, and win and grow your golf IQ. I'm your host, Alan Burton, Director of Instruction for the Alan Burton Golf Academy at Lake Hickory Country Club in Hickory, North Carolina. I'd like to thank all our listeners for tuning in. Find us on TheMesh.tv, all your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, and Google Play. And be sure to check out all the other shows on TheMesh.tv, all produced right here in Western North Carolina. Uh, I'm very honored and really excited to have a guest today, uh, today's episode with Brian Jacobs. Brian is way up north in Rochester, New York this morning joining us. And Brian has been a golf professional for over 20 years. He's been teaching the game of golf to all skill levels. He's been on the Golf Channel numerous times. He's voted best teacher in the state, best new instructor, certainly a lot of accolades uh, to speak of. And Brian, you know, you're joining us today for a couple of reasons. We were brought together by a mutual friend of ours, Mr. Bryant Schuford. He mentioned you as a great podcast guest. I'm excited to have you on, man. Good morning. Thanks, Alan. Thanks for having me. No, I'm excited to be there. And uh, I like the intro, the who's who in the game of golf. That's uh, It's a privilege to be considered part of that group. Well, that's exactly what we try to do. We try to reach out to the movers and the shakers in our industry who love and and teach and and share the game. And, you know, certainly your passion for the game is is unparalleled. So I'm glad you're here and and thanks for being part of the show. So you guys say you're getting a little snow up there this morning. We are. We're getting a little snow. We've had a little warm snap and and, uh, everyone's talking about spring, but we know better. (laughs) We won't we won't be outdoors until at least uh, mid-April or uh, early May. So we've still got a couple of, of months left or at least a few weeks left in the indoor season. And then we can transition back to outdoor. Yeah. I know you and I were talking just before we started the show and, you know, certainly that's kind of the trend. And certainly when you're up North, you have to make opportunities when it is cold and snowy. And, you know, I've done a lot of that myself. Tell me what you do in the, in the off season to stay effective and keep touching those golfers up there. Sure. Um, so all the programs that I run are, are all one-on-one, uh, what we call high level coaching. Uh, so we, we do practice along with coaching sessions. So our students are very programmed into being with us, uh, years, um, instead of days, uh, the one-off lessons we hardly ever do. Uh, we generally start our students with the new student assessment and then we can build their programming from there. Uh, so when we get to around the middle of October, we start to transition back indoors. So um, I've been very fortunate. Uh, I forged a relationship with Club Champion, uh, which just opened in our area. So it's, it's very much a symbiotic relationship where my students are able to get professional fittings um, and, and purchase equipment there because I don't own a concession along with being able to be uh, utilized track man. Uh, that's on the east side of the city. And then 
I have a access to a golf sound simulator on the west side. So if we ever do want to have play or have uh, a foursome, then uh, we utilize that. And that's at a physical therapy <clears throat> uh, business. And so we can uh, prescribe for injured athletes or uh, athletes that want to do better or prevent injury. We can also um, lead them to that business. And so it's, I have a lot of really great relationships up here in the area. So we can offer quite a bit to the student. And they're willing to travel, uh, you know, up to an hour sometimes to uh, to see me at either facility, which is pretty cool. Well, that's, that's certainly a, a very similar approach to the, how I, I look at it. I think golfers, you know, a lot of times they, they come to you and they ask you, hey, how much is a lesson? And, and I usually give them <laughs> the same, the same uh, you know, report. I say, well, you know, a lesson is $1,000, but if you Minimum. Wanna, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if you want to book a series of six one-hour coaching sessions, you know, I can do that for about six hundred and twenty-five dollars. And they go, well, how mm-hmm. in the world are you cheaper for you know a coaching package than you are for a lesson? And and I respond by saying, well, if you want a lesson, you must be expecting a miracle, so you should have to pay. Right. For, you should have to pay for one. <laughs> right. Exactly. No. Exactly. I feel the same way. I have a good friend that uh, taught in China for a long time, and his his hourly rate for a single was seven hundred dollars. Yeah. But then when he went into his coaching, you know, series or his performance packages, it was two hundred an hour, and and he said he got a lot of questions as to why that was, and he said, well, number one, he said, you're going to be, you know, trying to extrapolate everything I know in an hour, and so it's going to go way over it. Number mm-hmm. one, he goes, we can't cover everything I know in an hour. And he said, and, and you'll never be back. He said, which is sad. We don't get a chance to develop a relationship. He said, so you have you have to pay for that time and that experience. And so mm-hmm. I've thought a few times before about raising my hourly up to, you know, that five, six, seven, eight hundred thousand, two thousand, mm-hmm. just to see, you know, how the market would react to it. Um you know, and, it, and it's it's just very, very interesting. It's um, I had a call last week, even someone said, well, you know, I just want to come in for lessons. This is what's going on. And I said, well, if you already know what's going on, why can't you reverse it? And, the, and just dead silence on the telephone, you know, and he's like, well, I watch the Internet a lot. I go, you're not answering my question. <laughs> if you know what's happening and you've assessed yourself or diagnosed yourself properly, why can't you fix yourself? Why can't you fix your critical error? I said, you're on the internet and you're looking around and you're scouring it for something that you think applies to you. I said, either you think you misdiagnosed yourself or you're looking for the magic bullet. Mm -hmm. Either way, it's bad. Mm -hmm. Um, So I said, why don't we start with a new student assessment? We'll assess what you're, you're doing. And through my experience, I can guide you into the programming that I think will fit you best. And I said, look, I'm a, a parent of two girls. I said, I understand it's expensive. So, but when you really look at the end result, I mean, how much is too much really when you look at it um, yeah. for your enjoyment of the game, for you to know for a fact, this is what's happening. And so he's actually coming in this Saturday. I was, I was surprised because he said, well, I've watched your video. You know, I think you're great. And I go, well, you don't know me. Mm-hmm. You know, you've seen my highlight reel. Um, mm-hmm which is challenge we have too. Everybody sees an instructor's highlight reel and they think that's their real life and they know them and everything else. I said, when you come in, I'm going to 
be choosing you more than you're choosing me. I want to see if you fit the culture that I have and if you're open to instruction and if you're willing to put in the work, then it's going to be worth the money that you spend. But if you're not willing to put in the work and if you're not willing to be, you know, to matriculate into the culture that I've built, then we would just part ways at that point. Yeah, I think it's important for the student to understand the level of investment that we're kind of looking for as coaches because, you know, we certainly, we're not just doing it for the money. It is our career. It is our livelihood. But at the end of the day, we want to help golfers. And, and we've gone about it um, in, in, our, in our best possible way. Mm-hmm. I think you and I are similar in that we've got enough experience that we mm-hmm. can help someone. And, and that, that comes with a price. But at the same time, that, that's it. It's an investment of time, isn't it? Um, you know, most students. Well, exactly. And, and the thing is, is, you know, I learned early in, in my career too that, and I did a lot of golf schools. I've worked with ESPN golf schools for six years and saw thousands and thousands and thousands of people and thousands of swings and thousands of different personalities. And, mm-hmm. and you know, the big thing is, is you have to be able to change the ball flight or they think you're a quack, number one. <laughs> and then there's dot, dot, dot. But for this to change into a behavior, you have to continue on this path. And what will happen with people, you know, and you know this as well, that they want to be immediately gratified. And there's so much to this game. There's just so much to this game that, you know, it takes years and years and years and years. I'm 58. I started at 27. And I feel like the best year is still ahead of me as far as my play in my learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to constantly keep learning. And I got a message last night. I have three students that are, are in Florida. They're at reunion. And one of the students texted me and said, if I hadn't invested so much, I would quit, you know, <laughs> quit golf. And so I called him immediately. I go, what are you talking about? You know, he says, well, I can't get a pitch to go up in the air. Well, tell me what you're doing. Well, I'm using my 58 and I'm, you know, and I said, well, you know that the grass is different in Florida than it is up here. Oh, it is? Well, yeah, it's Bermuda and we have bent. I go, and what's the substrate? What's the, what's the ground underneath Bermuda? I have no idea. It's sand. Mm-hmm. And so when you are hitting a, a, a shot, like a, a wedge shot, I said, you know, and you have any part of the dig coming into there. I go, it's, it's not going to be good. Mm-hmm. You're taking too much loft and you're trying to hit these, you know, high pitch shots. Well, they don't work in Florida, you know, unless you're an, a commensurate player and you understand, you know, how to use the golf club. Mm-hmm. Oh, huh. so now are you still going to quit? He goes, well, no, he goes, that's something I didn't know. And I said, well, in your prep work before you left, I said, we did explain that, but I said, you know, that, that I'll be down there with him again in a couple of weeks. We, we go to Bay Hill and I said, you're going to notice the difference in the grass, you know, just by how, how, where you play too. If you play at Bay Hill, it's going to be more manicured than if you play at another golf course. And so you, you've got to be aware of the environment that you're in and what you're trying to do. And most people are in the lifeboat rowing to shore, you know, if they hit one bad shot, Instead of saying, oh, wait, this is a pattern. I need to change it. What am I doing? Mm-hmm. You know, rather than, you know, complain and curse and swear and I'm going to quit. Why don't you become introspective and start to look at why this is happening and how am I going to reverse it? 
Exactly. I, I tell golfers there's an aftershot uh, process, you know, post-shot routine, and I use the letter A to refer to a lot of words that I want them to use in a step-by-step process. And a lot of times that first step, they choose anger and aggravation instead of awareness. And I go, that's, that's the wrong A words. You know, anger and aggravation never fixed a golf shot moving forward. So uh, exactly. that's something that I start with. And, and then from the awareness you know, for a lot of golfers, it's they're just not aware of enough things. As you mentioned, your student not being aware that the ground and the turf conditions are going to change the way the club interacts with, with the golf ball slightly. So you have right. to adapt and adapt. That would be another A word to kind of understand the, the variability that they're dealing with in the game of golf. Are you aware of how to adapt or, or was it something right. that you didn't adapt to, you know? And it goes from there. But I think that's the common thing. You know, golfers just need to be educated and, and made more aware of things. And, and you and I have been doing this for a long time. So we, we stumble upon things, and we, we realize that most golfers just don't have a plan for, for any improvement. That's kind of our job. We come in and formulate a plan. I know you do that well. Right. And, um, you know, with your experience, tell me what your first – assessment uh is is it mostly physical are you looking at range of motion or are you looking at the golfer's ability to hit a golf shot what do you start with we do look at physical um we look at the circles that they make uh whether they have internal external you know rotation capabilities uh whether you know to coin larry rinker uh whether they're upper core or whether they're lower mm-hmm. uh you know to how they how their body moves relative to how we see um how we vi- visualize how they're moving uh we also look at how they visualize themselves or how they see so if you were to put up a video of someone you i would say to them well, what do you see and they'll tell you 50 things mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. what i see and i'll say well here's what i see right i see the club face wide open at impact mm-hmm. you know and it's a chain reaction but let's let's get down to the bottom of the the food chain here and just say there's kind of four things we need to control here. Number one, we need to control the start point of the shot. Mm-hmm. Right. So if it doesn't start well, it's not going to end well. <laughs> um, the second thing we need to control is the strike. You know, where is it hitting on the face? There's intention to always hit the center of the face, but if this circle is too steep, too much like a Ferris wheel, mm-hmm. the chances of you hitting the center of the face aren't real good. Likewise, if it's too flat, it's not going to hit the center either. It's going to hit different points, you know, and then also we want to control the turf contact and then the curve. So we'll give them assignments on different curves. Well, can you hit it high? Can you hit it high and right? Mm -hmm. Can you chunk it? Oh, I can chunk it. (laughs) Okay. Well, where did the divot happen? Did it happen early or did it happen late? Well, I don't Mm -hmm. know. Well, we need to, like you said, BA, we need to be aware, like where is that all happening and and what's the cause and effect of it all? And you can just literally, they just stand there with their jaw dropped to the ground. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I never thought of that. Right. But you're scouring the internet looking for the fix, but you don't even know what you're trying to fix. Sure. You don't yeah. know the cause, you know, and, and you don't want to go down the hole, you know, if you're and And so I think I might've shared this with you. Um, I'm doing a little video series now called why I'm better than YouTube. It's not that I'm against YouTube or online or anything else. Sure. But it's people are so dependent at this time, uh, just looking at 
well, that'll fix me. Well, that'll fix me. Well, this'll fix me. Well, that'll, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're like, wow, they come in with these ideas. And one of the first questions I ask is, well, tell me what golf books you've read. Mm -hmm. Well, none. Okay. You haven't read any. Okay. Well, that's okay. Mm -hmm. No, I read Harvey Penick's little red book. Okay. Well, that's, that's good Mm -hmm. to start. Yeah. Um, you know, or, or tell me what internet sites you look at. Oh, I go to Revolution. I go to Golf Pass. I go to, you know, this one and that one and Rick Shields and, you know, John Smith and XYZ Academy. And you're like, oh, my goodness. I said, well, all those guys teach different. Sure. Every one of them assesses different. And I said, find one maybe that you can trust. And then and then I would recommend books for him. Well, here's a book I recommend. And here's a book I recommend. Sure. John I, Jacobs. Book. No, I, I certainly agree. I think it's, I use this analogy a lot. I think it's a lot like medication, you know, and, and it's just mm-hmm. laying out on the counter for the consumer to kind of experiment with it. And some of that medication is in the form of what I call a vitamin. It won't hurt you if you take it. It's going to be helpful for most people. And what you don't right. use, you'll you'll get rid of, you know, out, out right. naturally. And then there right. are... It makes you pee yellow. That's about it, right? Yeah, exactly. And then there are some, <laughs> some pills in the form of, you know, prescription medication that if you take too much of that, it's going to kill you. So golf right. instruction needs to be specific to the individual. And I think that's where we come in as coaches. And, you know, the Internet's never going to replace someone like you or myself, hopefully, where... The, the individual is making contact with a person who is, you know, finely tuned to communicate with that individual. I think that's what we have to do as coaches is find out ways to communicate our message specifically to the individual in front of us. And, and they will benefit if we can get that relationship, get the opportunity to, to communicate over time. I agree. And I think that touch point is still really important where you're actually physically shaking hands with someone or someone's physically touching the golf club and moving it for you. If you're working on something technical, then in a, if someone's traveling or, or out of town or playing tournaments, you know, to have some additional assignments for them to do um, that's directed by you. But, but I think, you know, originally when I got into golf channel and into the content business, it was content business to help people out. But I think the original intention of content was to bring more people to your academy, um, you know, to get that physical touch. And now what's happening in the content businesses, content is strictly to teach, mm-hmm. um, which I think is kind of a scary place to go if you're not with an instructor, um, you know, to help guide you through that process a little bit. And it's it's kind of been a focus by in the last, you know, year to really make sure that the content um, when I'm shooting is to always end with a call to action. Like, you know, this is helpful, but the most help you're going to get is to go see a guy like yourself or a lady, you know, um, like yourself that can really form a relationship where you have that bond that you can, that you can call them and talk to them and, sure. and you can have that trust factor between the two of you. I mean, how often is it that we're coaching an individual and then we move from that individual to another individual and we might be giving a 180 degree opposite message because that's what the student needs. And it's not so generic, you know, it's like, well, someone is way under plane and and hitting the ground way behind Mm -hmm. the ball and topping it and hitting it thin, you know, then the next person comes over it like, 
like they're digging for uh, for potatoes in China. You know, you're not giving the same lesson to those two golfers, you know, hopefully not, (laughs) you know, but I've seen that happen before with younger teacher. And I had that question asked a number of years ago um, because I did done quite a bit of training with Hank Haney and well, they said, you're a method teacher. And I said, well, I guess if changing your ball flight is a method, then yes. You know what I said, but again, you're going to present me with something and then, I might have seven people that slice it in a row and you might see that as a method because the message is pretty clear and pretty much the same. Sure. But I said, spend a couple of days with me and see the different people that come. And so it's, it's interesting in my Academy, we have rocking chairs there and a cooler. And so I've, I'll put soft drinks and water and, and sometimes beer in there, depending on who's coming in. Yeah. And I just encourage the students to stick around and watch, you know, and watch how different people's bodies move and start to watch the game as a student instead of as entertainment. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting to hear them. Well, they'll watch the tour players and they'll say, oh, they were trying to, were trying to hit a cut there. Or they were trying to do this. I go, now you're thinking now you're really a student, you know, and you're not just watching it because Rory's your favorite guy. You're right. really watching what he's trying to do with a golf ball and their brain just explodes. Then there, it just opens up this just wonderful, wonderful part of their brain. Yeah, absolutely. And so when, when a golfer sends a videotape into us as coaches, I've often wondered how that that approach was going to be effective because one of the things we're missing from a video is what the ball did. You know, you're looking at right. a swing from a cosmetic standpoint, and you could mm-hmm. critique it based on what you would prefer to see as a coach. And certainly, that's never, right. never the approach that I take because there's not one right. look I'm I'm going for. You know, I'm not trying right. to make swings pretty. I'm trying to make them right. effective and and for functional, that individual, right. you know, functional. And so, ball flight mm-hmm. has always been, you know, the approach. And without ball flight, I don't know how you could really, really, truly help right. someone play better golf. I mean. I think you and I both agree, John Jacobs' statement about what what golf really is is what the ball does. You know, golf exactly. is what the ball does, and so if you don't see the ball, right. you know, it, you can't really coach right. someone on their swing. And um, yeah, it's always interesting. That's my first question always. Well, what was the ball flight? Right. Well, I don't know. Well, well, that's where we start. To assess it. You know, if you don't know whether you hit it thin and left or if you chunked it and hit it right or whether it was off the toe or off the heel or off the center or, you know, what was the height? What was the shape? What was the curve? What was the how did it land? And, mm-hmm. you know, well, I don't know. I just I'm trying to hit it. And I go, I understand that. But at the same part, you can't you can't fix you can't fix what you don't know. Like it's the same with our assessments. I, you know, players will say, well, why do we have to start with an assessment? And I'm like, well, didn't you do that in your first day of your job? Right. They're like, what? Well, didn't your boss sit down with you and say, well, here's the goal. That's a job description. Here's what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Here's how you're going to get there. And then you figure it out over the years on how to get from point A to point B. But, but if you don't have a job description, you know, or, or a path, or vision on where you're going to go, I go, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty much what you're doing, jumping around to different instructors and not getting anywhere. Yeah. And now I'm your last hope, <laughs> you know, cause you've gone to 40 different people. I had a guy a number of years ago, if I could share, he, he uh, had notes upon notes upon notes of, of 30 years of notes mm-hmm. of all the instructors that he went to 
And uh, unfortunately, he's passed away, but he, he had terminal cancer. And he said, I got about eight weeks to live. And I said, well, what's your goal? He goes, I want to birdie that hole right over there on mm. the golf course. And I said, okay, well, that's going to be our focus. And I said, you know, he could, he got to the point where he was, uh, he was a smoker and he had lung cancer and, and um, he could barely breathe. Uh, but we went through an eight week uh, program with him roughly. And, you know, I saw him just about every day. Mm-hmm. And, and I just said, look, you need to be here every day. And he says, well, is it once a week enough? And I'm like, well, not with the window of time that we have. Mm. I said, it's not a question of changing a technical error or something else. It's, it's how you think and how you move and, and, and we're going to get you there. And so um, I used to base it on his energy level and how many balls we'd hit and whether we'd play or whether we'd talk or drive around in a cart and strategize. And, mm-hmm. and so uh, about six weeks into the process, he was feeling good. He had a good energy day. And I said, today's, I said, today's the day mm-hmm. we're going out there. And, uh, so we took, I took him out to the 10th hole and, uh, it's kind of an elevated tee shot down to a little, uh, just a little bit of a dog leg right to an uphill, you know, big green and piped his drive. And so we're going to take it, you know, just like we planned right down the left side, you know, so hit a beautiful tee shot and, uh, the second shot, he sculled it, but he got it up near the green and he pitched it in and he made a birdie. <laughs> two, two weeks later, he, he passed away. And uh, when I went to, to his um, his memorial, his wife gave me a book and I'm like, what's this? He goes, this is Jack's um, notes from all the lessons that he took. And at the very end of it, he wrote down, I wished I would have seen Brian Jacobs first because mm. I wouldn't have had all these, you know, so I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's probably the greatest tribute ever uh, in my whole career of coaching, but it taught me so much about um, just talking to people and, and hearing what their preferences are and what their goals are and how I can mesh in with them and why assessments are so important you know, in our business rather than just walking out and saying, okay, well today we're going to do this, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. instead of listening to them because they all have a pain point and that's our job is to change that pain into joy. Mm-hmm. And then they'll have another pain point And then our job is to change that pain point into joy. Um, and so I look at it like we're doing a lot more than just teaching golf. Um, you know, we're helping them with their life. I don't know if you've ever seen that sign before PGA professional where it has like 50 different careers that we really do. And, right. and, uh, I think as a, as an instructor, we're so much more to these students than just, you know, Hey, an hour interaction and, you know, we're, we're the best part of their day. And so it's important for us not to mail it in, you know, ever, um, so when they show up that, that we make that the best part of their day, that we're happy and that we're cautious in what we say and we take them down the correct path and that we can show them results. Uh, and that's why that assessment to me is so important because we keep relying back saying, here's where you were, here's where you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why did it take so long? Well, it's just the learning curve. It's, yeah. I mean, you know, if you're if you're going to play piano, you know, you can you can play chopsticks in five easy lessons. But if you want to play Beethoven, it's going to take us a while, you know, and that's the way I look at it. You know, 
golf is. Yeah, is, is I kind of always go back to him too, and I used to go back to him and say, "I'm sure the first time you walked, you got right up, and <laughs> you know, I'm sure you walk right away." And they kind of smirk, you know, and I'm <laughs> like, "Look, this is hard, way harder than walking." Oh yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, and walking for most people was about a twelve-month endeavor from you know their uh, their beginnings as a as a human to actually standing upright without falling down. You know, it takes about 12, right. 12 to fourteen yeah. months. You know, so yeah. And now they do it pretty well. Hopefully, and don't fall down most days. But that's a uh, that's a question for no, the, that's the individual. The age we're getting to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're going back the other way, right? We're yeah. going back to fetal position, falling and. <laughs> crawling again yeah, <laughs> unfortunately yes yeah, sir i think uh, let's hope not but let's let's say that there's yeah. years ahead of us that may be the case you know it's yes. so it's powerful how you mentioned the the skill of listening as a coach and i think that's really mm-hmm. great to to remind ourselves each day that's really what we're doing the, the more we can listen and tune into our student the better we're going to help them with their specific goals and they may have a goal completely un. Um, you know, unlike yours as a coach, you you may assess mm-hmm. and think, well, gosh, this person needs to do this with their golf swing. And, and like you said, maybe all they want to do is birdie a golf hole, or maybe they all, right. all they want to do is play without embarrassing themselves among their friends. And, you know, so mm-hmm. that's just the way it is. So let me ask Absolutely. you this. From your perspective, sure. you, you've mentioned you've gone into some consulting and helping the industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are some of the biggest challenges that you see in our industry, and what are the things that you're helping golf professionals and, and young coaches do to overcome those challenges? Well, we always try to look at certifications versus customers. Um We'll see in our business where people will drink the Kool-Aid a little bit and say, well, I need this XYZ certification, I need this certification, I need this certification, and they'll spend money, 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 money on technology, certifications, and all these things, but they don't have a customer base, Mm -hmm. so they don't know how to market. And, you know, to make wise investments, it's, um, I had an advisee uh, recently that said, well, should I get XYZ? Um, you know, I really think if I get this, it's going to bring people in. And I said, well, you already know enough about that subject where you might want to spend your dollars is actually having a website that people (laughs) can interact with, you know, that streamlines so that, um, you can actually have a web presence and why I just think, you know, and I said, well, again, you're, you're paying me to help you. And so, let's listen not to reply, but let's listen to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand that you're convinced that this certification is going to get you where you want to go, but you already know enough about the subject for your market where you having this certification and being the only one in your area doesn't mean anything, but having a dynamic website that costs the same amount of money is going to get you much farther. You know, you're going to have to have, a hundred students at $50 an hour to pay for that certification rather than taking that money and putting it into a dynamic website with a link that leads to a book now to make, to have 10 students, it's going to pay back your website and 10 students. Or or even a social media campaign, which could be, you know, very, very inexpensive. We're talking free. (laughs) Free. Yeah. Right. And where, you know, even talking to people about, well, where, like, where do your students come from? And they're like, well, they come from, you know, central 
you know, X, Y, Z state. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, how do they get to you? Well, they drive. Well, no, like what drive you? They're like, well, they're cars. Okay. Well, are you, (laughs) you know, and you're like trying to get them to say, well, social media and they have no idea what it is. And they're like, well, I don't do that. I don't like to get on there and it's bad. And I go, no, no, it's, it's good. And I said, you need to look at analytics. See, like if you're doing Facebook or look, I get Facebook people put food pictures and they talk to their friends, but it's a dynamic business tool. And if you start to look at analytics, you know, and how much time you're giving, um, you know, uh, per student that you're getting, it's the payoff is phenomenal. Um, Instagram, like I post through Instagram and it goes to Twitter and Facebook, but Facebook is really what drives people, my demographic to me, so when I look at analytics, if I'm going to do a campaign, that's how I, how I do things. I'll put a little bit on IGTV. I'll do a few organic posts. And then I have an agent also that will do some posts for me mm-hmm. um, where I spend dollars to do campaigns because he's in that space and he understands how to get people to click through to my website and, and sign up. Um, so as we're consulting or as I'm consulting, really looking at them as a business saying is this a hobby or business first of all Mm -hmm. because with with most people in our our, uh, not yourself but a lot of people look at it like it's well if i just put the sign up and you know people are going to come in it's not how it works anymore unfortunately and the jobs where um, the instructors are at clubs you know, and they've got a captive audience. Those jobs are, a lot of them are going away. Uh, a lot of people are moving off site. They're moving into indoor facilities so that they can control their destinies a little bit more. Sure. Um, and they can keep their percentages down. Um, and, and rather than pay maybe a club for a cart and turf and balls, they're going to pay rent mm-hmm. and be able to be open as long as they want. Mm-hmm. take as many people in as they want and make as much as they want. And so it's, it all depends on their business too, but we always struggle with the certifications and technology versus social media and a great website. Sure. Yeah. And it's, it's a person's brand and, and they have to make some decisions as to how they want to brand themselves. And, and certainly marketing is, is a lost art for a lot of folks that come out of um you know, maybe a PGM program, and I'm not sure marketing was really one of the subjects. I'm not sure for for most if they've had much exposure to the concept. I mean, for me, I'm a I'm an old school guy. I'm a grassroots guy. I, I used to get out on the range and just try to talk to people and and build my business from some old school approaches. And as you get busier, there's definitely mm-hmm. less time because you got a full lesson book. You know, it's tough to get out there and market. You have to have someone out there doing it for you. And certainly those social media campaigns can be marketing for you while you're still teaching and and working with your clientele. Um, You know, I used to do a a drawing in in a golf shop. I would put a fishbowl out on a a nice decorated table with a proper skirt Mm -hmm. and my logos and stuff everywhere. And just say we're having a drawing for a free driver at the end of the end of the season. And so you could get a lot of leads right. that way. Uh, sure. I, would, I would call every one of those leads and say, Hey, you got a, you got an invitation to a free golf clinic Saturday morning. That's what you've won. It's a preliminary right. prize. And that would bring out, you know, 12 people for a clinic sure. and, and four to six of those would sign up for a program. So you just get right. in front of somebody 
and 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 show your your passion, your interest, and your ability to right. help them. Uh, that's that's kind of how you build your business. I know you've also done some coaching with uh, Colin Swatton. Is that uh, something you're ongoing, or is that a program that you did with him? Tell me about your relationship with uh, the former caddy sure. to Jason Day. Yeah. yeah, well, Colin and I met a couple of years ago, and then we we thought we would be able to run some some stuff together called Tour Practice Series. Uh, we had quite a few bites in it and then we would have people back away. So we never could get really get it off the ground and, and work it, but we still talk and still dream about having that happen. Um, you know, a lot of it is price point and a lot of it is just it's schedules. Like our schedules are, are so different. I mean, with him being with, with Jason and then also he has a couple other guys that he works with. Um, there he's at the phone call <laughs> yep. so that we could have one scheduled. And if, one of them calls that's that's it they go because that's their main employer so at the very beginning when we first looked at it and started to market it um you know our pricing was way too high uh, for the experience that we wanted to give and so we dropped our pricing down a little bit and and we're looking at it again this year and and we'll see if maybe we can do one or two we've got a little bit of interest in washington dc and and a lot of interest in atlanta so Sure. I'm kind of on the marketing end of it. Um, So we'll see what happens. It's, it's definitely an interesting concept. And I think when someone hears Colin's name, um, there might be this impression that, you know, not approachable or, you know, it's going to be, Oh my gosh, I'm not good enough to go to this. It's a tour Mm -hmm. school, but Mm -hmm. we really, really accentuate the fun part of it and that any skill level can come um, you know, to the, to the day. And, and it's really at the end of the day, it's a great experience. We spend the whole day with them. We do a meet and greet at the end of the day. Um, and generally those will either benefit youth golf or a charity in the area. Um, and that's led into some speaking stuff for me, which has been great, uh, where, um, one of the clubs in Washington has a speaker series. So I've been invited to go in and give my born a mule, die a mule speech. <laughs> um, you know, I got a mule DNA. My, my, uh, I never was a thoroughbred, which is okay. I just yes. keep moving forward. Yes. You know, funny. mules never become thoroughbreds. They just stay mules, which is, which is okay. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> I was, uh, I was briefly introduced to Mr. Swatton at a PGA show in Orlando a couple of years back. And, yeah, the conversation that we had in the aisleways there at the show was really fascinating to me. I asked him about, mm-hmm. you know, Jason Day's putting practice mm-hmm. on a typical week, and his response mm-hmm. to me was, "There's there's numerous weeks where he might spend twenty hours putting." Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, I, I was not that surprised by that because Jason Day is an amazing, amazing putter and a great, a great uh, testament to what it takes to become great. But I think oftentimes our golfers are so shocked and amazed at how much time it takes to be that good and and we ask our golfers you know hey how much time did you spend putting last week well i I was 10 minutes before the before the round you know maybe i hit a few putts but uh uh, no wonder you're so good yeah exactly yeah and they want to compare themselves right yeah they want to compare themselves to the pga tour putting stats or at least what they perceive the stats to be based on what they're seeing on on broadcast television so you have to remind them no you're seeing the highlights you're seeing every putt made that day 
You're not seeing right. the guy that putted lousy on Thursday or right. Friday and missed the cut. You know, he's at home watching golf on television on the weekends with us. You know, he missed the cut. Um, right. He's yeah. not getting paid. He's not getting paid. Know, he paid. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's been interesting, too, um, you know, knowing Colin that just the level of commitment that he has has been just amazing to me and that yeah. and that um, it's so it's so different. I, I, I'm not sure how to put this in an eloquent way. A lot of people strive to teach tour players, you know, and that that's where they want to go. And, and it's great for, you know, to do that, but it's a tough life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of hard, hard work. Um, and, and you'll see at the end of it for many of the teachers, you know, they're, they're kind of looking at you saying, man, I wished what you, I wish I did what you did where I was in the same spot. I went to the club every day or I had my own place to go. And, mm-hmm. and so I think everybody's kind of the grass is greener. Sure. Um, you know, and, and it's it's very tough to capitalize, you know, financially on on having a tour player, you know, just one. Right. Um, you know, you see maybe like Sean Foley where he had four or five there at a time. Um, I don't know how he did it, you know, right. how you could do it effectively. Um, or Butch even, you know, to have so many people, you know, it's they're amazing people. Like I look at Dave Ledbetter or I look at Jim McLean and I'm just like, not only am I thankful and grateful that they um, made teaching a, a, a justifiable career, but just the volume of tour players that they've taught, it, it's just, it's incredible. Like, I don't know how they could keep it organized in their head. They're, sure. they're definitely thoroughbred, right. you know, maybe, um, or maybe that's just how they rolled, you know, how they moved. Sure. Uh, well, you know, the, and we might look at our positions and someone will look at us and say, well, how do you do that? And you're like, oh, well, it's just like a normal day. Right. You know, for us. And I guess that's why we're, we're living out our purpose, yeah. you know, the right way. But but Colin's phenomenal. He's just a phenomenal person. Very straightforward, willing to share. I mean, I just respect him so much. Yeah. Well, that's there's reasons why people like Colin are very successful. And, and a lot of times it's that. Like you said, it's that motivation to get out and be better, and their confidence, their self confidence in what they're doing is obviously strong. It wouldn't wouldn't become a David Ledbetter, a Jim McLean, or a, a Butch Harmon, uh, you know, or a Brian Jacobs if you didn't have some some you know oh, I that. some confidence. Well, we mentioned that it's really interesting at the show this year. Uh, Dave was doing Dave Ledbetter was doing some stuff at uh, the Golf Sound booth. And so we snuck one of my top players in there that's working in Miami right now. And it caught him off guard a little bit. Cause you know, when people are at the show, you kind of don't get the top level players. And this kid actually won the New York state juniors. I mean, he's, yeah. he had some ideas about maybe, you know, giving it a go on tour. And, and I said, well, you won locally and you won regionally, um, you know, but you haven't won nationally. Mm-hmm. And so maybe we need to, you know, reassess and, and think about this. Do we really want to go that route or would you rather just take your degree and go into business and play amateur golf? And he goes, ah, I think I'll just play amateur golf. Hmm. And so he's chosen a great path, but when he hit the first ball, David was like, yeah, <laughs> kind of like, okay, this guy's not a chopper. All right. Yeah. Let's see what's going on. You know, like, well, what's your miss? And he's like, well, my miss is, you know, tip. Oh, okay. And so I went up afterwards and talked to him and he said, well, that, 
young man, he said, is can can really hit it. He goes, he's. I go, yeah, he's he's a high level player. I said, sorry, we snuck him in. The golf sign guy asked me um, a different another head pro that I was with or or Andrew, and I said, we'll take him. He's he'll be fun. <laughs> What what you know, did he actually give him to uh, what to give him to improve? What was his assessment? Well, I think as a teacher, uh, he gave him the same exact thing that we work on. Andrew has a tendency to get under the plane, yeah, um, and you know, and then he has to save the shots. So he hooks it a lot, so we hmm. we get him to feel a little bit more connected with his elbows, you know, at, at impact, and so. Um, in general, just having the club move a little bit more out to in and into out and sure. and uh, lean in a little bit more. And so Andrew, his name's Andrew Fidelli, came over to me afterwards and said, that's the same stuff that you told me. I go, well, <laughs> he told you a different way. Yeah. And I go, and obviously, I mean, he's not a bad teacher. So sure. <laughs> it might be good to listen to him. Yeah, <laughs> right? absolutely. But it made me, feel, made me feel good that I was seeing the same things that he was seeing. Yeah, and I think golfers often just don't realize how how much golf is like Goldilocks. I mean, you're either too much of something or you're not enough of something, and it's you know you continue to do what Goldilocks did, and you'll eventually find what's just right. You know, and that I always I always tell my kids, I said Goldilocks is in the LPGA Hall of Fame for that very reason. She never gave up until she found what was just right, and right. Um, you know yeah. you have to assess yourself, but. You also have to know which way you're trying to move it, you know, which way you're trying to move something. Um, exactly. You know, yeah. So and it's so okay to make mistakes. Yeah. You know, if you make mistakes and, you, and uh, like I ask my students, you know, to curve, to curve the golf ball. And if you thin it, chunk it. If you hook it, fade it. If you hit it sure. high, hit it low. Well, right. Why would I do that? So that you know what square is, so you know what good is. Right. You know, so you hit every shot under the sun except a good one. Yeah, yeah, but I'm trying to hit a good one every time. Well, you can't. The best players in the world don't even hit a good every single time. Yeah, mistakes are part the of the game. game. Yeah, mistake, yeah. mistakes and, and being able to assess those mistakes. My dad said it like this. He said, son, you're going to make mistakes. Just keep making new ones. Yeah. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to write that one down. Yeah, and that's the way it's always is for a golfer. It's a game of mistakes, and managing those mistakes is what makes someone – a real champion and understanding and assessing those errors. So, you know, we've had a great conversation this morning, Brian. I tell you, you you're a mover and a shaker in the industry. It's been a pleasure um, to have you on this morning. And and before we leave, I would probably say, with the winter still kind of in the grips up there in Rochester, um, you know, what what would you tell the golfers in the same situation to get ready for the season? What do they need to do at this moment right now to have their best golf ready for spring 2020. What do you want them to do? Yep. I would say don't wait, get training right away, address physical, mm -hmm. um, you know, flexibility. And also uh, your technical, this is a great time to break down any technical flaws that you have um, and, and train, get with an instructor that has an indoor facility and, and let him or her set you up in a program and, and you're going to be a lot better off when you hit your first tee ball outdoors in April or May or June, whenever we get outdoors, um, you know, there, there'll be a higher level of confidence. And, and I would say again, don't wait. You know, a lot of people are sitting around and the time slips away and, and, you know, it's going to be March 1st, Sunday. Right. So we're literally 
six weeks from the season. And, you know, if you keep sitting the way you're sitting, you're never going to, you're never going to get forward. You're never going to get ahead. That's right. That's right. I could, I could not agree more. I think getting golfers off the couch uh, and into Mm -hmm. some training is, is the best thing and do it right away. Uh, reach out to that coach in your area that has an indoor facility. If the weather's not great right now, don't wait for springtime and, and birds to chirp and, and the masters to come on television. Be ready. Mm-hmm. You it's know, too late. Then. Yeah, absolutely. Season's over. Yeah. So we, we call it winners win in the winter mm-hmm. um, up here. And so when, if you want to be a winner, you train in the winter. Um, and I've, I can show people data for years and years and years of teaching indoors where uh, we don't, our, my academy doesn't represent the national handicap of lesson takers. We're three shots lower. Fantastic. You know, and, and people will be like, well, how does that happen? Because these people terrain. Right. They get after it. Right. You, you know, tell people, I tell them all the time, is you've got what it takes, but it's going to take all you've got. And sitting on the couch is not going to get you where you're trying to go, <laughs> you know, as a golfer. So uh, that's great advice. Absolutely. Great advice. Where's the person? Yeah, exactly. Or as a person. Absolutely. So, Brian, I tell you, I could not thank you enough for spending a little time with us this morning and sharing your wisdoms, my friend. We've uh, hopefully made a friend for life here, and we want these golfers to to get better in 2020, and you've got a great pathway for them. So I hope they'll reach out to you. Tell tell us all your social media platforms that they can get in touch with you and, and stay in touch uh, throughout the year. Uh, how can they sure. reach out to yeah, you? Yep. Uh, Instagram, Twitter is at Brian Jacobs Golf. And then uh, my website is BrianJacobsGolf.com. You can find me on uh, Golf Pass or GolfChannelAcademy.com, which has moved over to Golf Pass for, for video content. I've got probably, I don't know, 60 on there now that live, wow. and, live and breathe. Yeah, it's amazing. Hey. A, a fat, bald guy. It's oh. nice. No, and, and, and this, our listeners need to also know it's Brian B R I A N, not Y. Correct. Yep, I have not a brother. Y. Have a brother named Brian. He spells it with the Y. So uh, I want to make sure yeah. people know how to spell it. But yeah. uh, listen, golfers, it's been a great show. We thank Brian for joining us. And remember, it's an opportunity for you to advertise here on the Mesh. If you have interest in being an advertiser with us, we'd love to talk to you. You can reach out to us at info at themesh.tv uh, or visit the website at themesh.tv slash advertise and look we, we look for great sponsorships as we grow the show this year 2020 is going to be a great year for golf if you've got any questions at all about today's show or comments and you want to reach out to me i'm alan a-l-l-e-n at alanburtongolf.com i'd like to thank again our guest brian jacobs for joining us and brian next time we're going to have a great show and i look forward to seeing you soon buddy thanks alan i appreciate it very much likewise sir all right golfers get off that couch get into the training make this year your best year and until next time we'll see you soon from the forecast been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. 
Check us out online at TheMesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.